You're listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. If you want, you could also open your Bibles to uh, John chapter 20. The Gospel of John chapter 20. Uh, we're going to start in verse 24. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, that we have Bibles on the table, you could just steal one of those and take it home and have it because we want you to own a Bible. Um, and we want you to see it in the, in the Word of God. We, this is a, a passage about, um, honestly, it's a passage about skepticism and doubting a little bit. And uh, as we talk about the miracles of Jesus, um, that's the first thing we're going to talk about this morning is kind of skepticism and a little bit of doubt towards miracles. And so I thought I would open with this passage a passage where Jesus reveals himself to the, the disciples, and one of them doubts. You know his name, right? Doubting Thomas. Here's the story. It's John chapter 20, verse 24. It says this, Now Thomas, called Didymus, I'd rather go by Thomas, I don't know. Um, Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And then Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And then this, this verse is interesting. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his, of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are recorded that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you have life in his name. I've asked uh, Josh to come up and pray for us as we begin to talk about the miracles of Jesus. Heavenly Father, Master of the universe, Master of our lives, we come to you right now and we, get, we look for understanding. We look that, uh, that our hearts may be able to know you in, in every way, Lord, whether it be through miracle, whether it be through just a still small voice. Father, we just pray that we would come to you humbly and willing to learn and uh, in doing so that you would change our lives so that we can change uh, a very desperate world in jesus name amen Amen. well uh when i was in um in high school i had this really cool youth pastor i became a christian in 10th grade and i had been a christian for about like six months and this new youth pastor came in he was really cool he thought i was really cool and he asked me to be a part of uh this bible study this all guys bible study of like five guys and we just sit and discuss and talk about the bible and i really respected what he had to say and i asked him one day about miracles and i asked him um why are there so many sweet miracles in the Bible, in the Bible times, but there's not that many miracles today? And he uh, began to explain his position about miracles. And he said, uh, hey, I'm going to use a big word. Are you okay with big words in here? Yeah, you are. You're nerds. He, he said uh, he was a dispensational cessationalist. Do you see that word on the board there? Guys, if you're ever on a first date and you want to impress the ladies... Just bust out. That's what I did. That's how I got married. I'm married to Erica. I was like a dispensational cessationalist. It makes you sound really smart. And what what this big word means? Uh, he, my youth pastor at the time. And and by the way, um, he is he is stopped believing this way and he now believes that miracles are for today but at the time in high school which was for me was like a million years ago because i'm so old even though i look like a young whippersnapper uh, uh it was a long time ago and what a dispensational cessationalist means is that you believe that there are dis different uh time periods different dispensations and that we are now in a dispensation where the gifts have ceased hence dispensational cessationalist the gifts have stopped and ceased and so he explained on uh, this is back in high school my youth pastor explained to me that miracles don't happen today 
that miraculous things no longer happen today, that that's the reason why there was so many miracles in the Bible times, because they're, they're now in the Bible. And we, he said, we don't need miracles today because we have the Bible. And, uh, and so he told me that. And then he told me a story about how when he was a younger Christian, how he went to a healing uh, revival tent meeting thing. And he said there was kind of like this televangelist kind of guy that was in there screaming and running around and asking for money and stuff like that. And uh, he said he went forward for prayer for his back. His back has hurt all his life. And he went forward and the the healing evangelist dude had him sit in a chair kind of like this, had him sit in a chair and put his feet out like this. And uh, the healing evangelist guy kind of had his hands on uh, my youth pastor's shoes and kind of pulled one shoe out a little bit and said, the reason why you have back problems is because one leg is longer than the other. And he said, let's pray. And he said, so he started praying and then he, he kind of with, you know, moved the shoes back. So the shoes were lined up again. And he said, look, you're healed. And my youth pastor was just like, that, that was, that was a trick. You just, saw what you did and he didn't believe it and used that to tell me uh back in my high school days that miracles don't happen that it's it's just kind of fakery that happens sometimes and obviously if something like that happened to you you went forward for prayer and there was a circus clown up there that was doing tricks like that it would it would throw you off and you'd i would you know i would be a little mad about that to be honest and so my youth pastor told me that, and I tell you that story to fast forward in time to last week. Here I am, last week. And I, by the way, I totally believe that miracles are for today. But by the way, my youth pastor, who was my youth pastor back then, we've kept in touch. He believes now that miracles are for today. He's since said that um, you know he's no longer a dispensational cessationalist. And uh, and so here I am preparing kind of for this Sunday and to tell you about miracles. And my wife comes home and says, guess what? One of my friends at work was healed. And I was like, whoa, that's cool. What's the story? And she said, well, one of her friends at work has hip problems. And, and then she said, this uh, healing uh, guy that's, and if I said his name, you might know him as someone that may be gifted in the, the area of healings and praying for people and seeing those healings take place. Um, she said, this guy prayed for her for her hip, her hip pains, and, and said that one leg was longer than the other. And I was like, wait, stop right there. Stop your story. I've heard this before. It's all fake. It's ridiculous. They, they just make it up. They play with the shoes. And I showed her, like, oh, you got to play with the shoes. And my, my wife was like, no, it's, I don't know about the playing with the shoe thing. My friend told me that she's healed. She said, her friend said that her leg grew in her pants. And like it, it, the, the leg was longer than the other. And my wife is telling me this testimony of a friend that she knows and trusts. And so here I am doubting, being skeptical. And the, the kind of sick humor in it is that here I am preparing this week, preparing for this message about miracles. I hear of a miracle. And what do I do? I, I was like, ah, the fake, the shoes, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and so as, as after I said that, I, I felt conviction from God that, that I do believe that miracles happen today. And, I, and I, I know that there's circus clowns out there that fake miracles. And I, I'll tell you a story, another story today of a famous guy that kind of did magic tricks in, in Jesus' name and led a lot of people astray and wasn't a very good of a guy. But miracles do happen today. Do you believe that? Yeah, we pray for them all the time. We believe that miracles happen today. We are a church, New Life Church, believes that miracles happen. And I'm up here telling you that, that miracles happen today, and we're going to study some of them, the miracles of Jesus. And I went back into the kitchen after, after God convicted me that I was so skeptical. And I, I, I told Erica, I'm sorry that you told me the story. You came home excited to tell me the story, and I just doubted and was so skeptical. And, and I went into the kitchen, and she was crying that, that she was telling me this great story, and I, was just, I just blew it off. I said, oh, I'm sure it was just a fake thing. And I, I tell you this story, that I, that I think we all have the ability to, to doubt miracles. That, that the miracles in and of themselves, I'm going to say, if, you, if you're taking down notes, one of the big points today is that I believe miracles exercise our faith. Miracles exercise our faith, of course, to the glory of God. That that in a way, there, since there's always room to doubt, there's, there's always this room to, 
to believe in a miracle because there's room to doubt, there's room to have faith. And it seems like miracles and faith go hand in hand. Jesus says, you know, go, your faith has healed you in a lot of his miracles. And it seems like faith is always surrounding miracles. And so that's what we're talking about all this month, uh, all these Sundays. We're talking about the miracles of Jesus. If you're newish to the Mill Sunday School, welcome. Uh, We have uh, some first-timer cards if you want to fill these out and then give them to the information table up there. Uh, they will give you a CD. It's got some songs on it uh, that, we've, we, that we've written in a sermon. And so welcome if you're newish to Sunday school. Um, but how about we do some facts of miracles, the miracles of Jesus, some facts. Are you with me on your notes? I, I like to hand out the notes. I, when I'm listening to things, I like to write things down. And so I want to give you some facts about the miracles of Jesus. And then we'll go back to this idea that miracles exercise our faith. But here's some facts. I wanted to give you like a definition of miracles. Not that you're like, what's a miracle? I've never heard of that. What does the term miracle mean? Um, But, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, as as you begin and do an intro of something, you're like, let's define it. Let's clearly define it as to what it means. And uh, I, I, I couldn't nail down a definition. There's different definitions that I really liked. And so we're going to put one up here. Uh, this, this one comes from Wayne Grudem, a systematic theologian that uh, is, is charismatic, believes that miracles are for today, and wrote that miracles is a less common kind of God's activity in which he arouses people's awe and wonder and glorifies himself. And the emphasis there is really on that awe and wonder. You see a miracle, you're like, wow, this is truly awesome and we say the word awesome all the time right you know what it really means i mean if like if you like look back there and you see the cereal dispensers and you're like these cereal dispensers are awesome and you're like man that cereal is just so good out of these dispensers it's awesome um that's not really that you know that awesome if it really was awesome you'd just be standing there with your bowl and be like oh and 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 if it really was awesome um (laughs) And maybe some of you were like that, and so I don't know. Um, but that's that's really what awesome means. And so a miracle should should bring arouse people's awe and wonder. Uh, this ne- next definition comes from, of course, one of my favorite online encyclopedias, Wikipedia. Um, anybody a fan of Wikipedia? It's like the greatest thing in the world. I mean, there, I mean, there's really, I mean, there's other greater things, but it's Wikipedia is awesome. <laughs> Here's their definition. A miracle, and this is kind of like, uh, I guess any kind of religion could kind of accept this as their definition of a miracle. A miracle derived from the old Latin word miraculum, meaning something wonderful, is a striking interposition of divine intervention by a supernatural being in the universe by which the ordinary course and operation of nature is overruled, suspended, or modified. Kind of like that definition as an overall uh, definition. And then as, as a group of, uh, I, I, I meet with some people that like to research and are like like really deep nerd researcher people. And uh, we get together and talk about the subject of the month before we talk about it. Um, and we got together and talked about miracles and we decided, what's a really good definition of a miracle? And we decided uh, miracle is God when God makes the improbable happen. Or improbable or impossible happen. And, um, and I kind of like that definition. My personal definition of a miracle that I'm going to use is this next one. Did you see it? Something really sweet that happens. Because <laughs> I like the term sweet. And the, 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 I'm telling you all these different definitions because in the Bible, in the Gospels of Jesus, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, these four Gospels, there are lots of accounts of miracles. And there's different counts of miracles. You might ask yourself, well, how many miracles of Jesus are there in the four Gospels? And different people have come to different conclusions about, okay, yeah, this is a miracle, but this is the same miracle in Mark. And then some people are like, oh, it seems like a different miracle. And some people say, well, this really isn't a miracle. So, like Wikipedia, for instance. We keep on using Wikipedia because it's, it's a fun source. Uh, they say that there's 40 miracles recorded in the Gospels, and they include miracles like the sending of the Holy Spirit, the resurrection appearances, uh, the empty tomb is another miracle on its own. Um, YahooAnswers.com says that there's only 34 miracles. My study Bible says that there's 35 miracles. So what the heck? How many miracles are there? There's around 30 or 40. 
<laughs> it's kind of like, is anybody like, does anybody know what a 14er is? Yeah, you know, has anybody climbed a 14er? Yeah, I've climbed Quandries and uh, Mount Yale. A 14er, if you don't know, if you're like new to Colorado or something, it's kind of a big deal. Um, <laughs> a 14er is a mountain over 14,000 feet, like our friend in the distance, Pikes Peak. And so if you climb that, you can say that you've done a 14er. And now what's, what's funny is that um, some people want to do them all. It's like a, you know, kind of a uh, uh, kind of thing. I want to climb all the 14ers in Colorado. And uh, there's different numbers of 14ers. There's around 50-something. And the, the, let me, I'm going to draw you a mountain. Are you ready for this? So here's a mountain with, like, the peak, but then maybe it has, like, a little saddle, and that's what they call it in that mountaineering world. And, and then there's, like, another peak, and, and, so, and so you look at this, and, like, here's 14,000 feet right there, and you look at that and you say, is that one mountain or two? I don't know. I mean, it depends how far the distance is spread apart, how, big, how that much elevation is between the saddle uh, of these two peaks. But you have different counts. Um, just in case you're wondering, if you're into like doing 14ers, the website, the 14ers website says there's just 53. The Colorado Mountain Club says there's 54. The Book of Colorado's 14ers says there's 55. And the United States Geological Survey says that there's 58. So if you want to go and do them all, I would be a part of the club that says there's only 53. <laughs> So yeah, we've done them all. But then you would talk to somebody that's like, oh, well, I go by the USGS, and so I, I've climbed all 58, of course. Um, or you talk about, like, maybe this is, there's a one that's called Mount Maroon um, that's, like, the, one of the really popular ones that has a north peak and a south peak. And maybe you only climb the north peak. And, and someone's like, well, I've actually climbed a 58 14ers because I climbed the north phase of Maroon Peak. And you haven't? Oh, you haven't obviously climbed all the 14ers. And, uh, it's, you know, it's one of those things that people like to get all uptight about. But um, even more important, the miracles of Jesus. How many are there? And I, I started to get really upset about this. And I was like, man, I guess it really comes down to your, your definition of a miracle and how you want to count them. But what's more interesting is uh, we'll just take the 35. that's in my uh, NIV study Bible because it's got this little nice little chart of them. And what's interesting is the breakdown, the categories of the different miracles. And uh, there are nine of the 35 that my NIV Bible says there are. Nine are commands over the forces of nature, like Jesus walking on water, or Jesus telling the storm to stop, or uh, the feeding of the 5,000 with, with the fishes and the loaves, and there's not enough for everybody. But 5,000 people are fed. Pretty cool story. And by the way, that's the only miracle. You might not believe this, but you, you can go and look. Uh, that's the only miracle that is in all four of the Gospels. Everybody go, hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird. It, mainly because John only cords uh, eight miracles, and so that's one of them. And um, so just an interesting fact. Uh, nine of them, as I said, com are commands over the forces of nature. Three of them, um, Jesus uh, brings a dead person to life. There's three, uh, in, including Jesus. Like if you include that, I mean, if you want to include that as a miracle, that Jesus, <laughs> just, I mean, I some. Obviously, I, I think I kind of would, but uh, there's the there's the daughter, there's the son of the centurion, and there's uh, Lazarus. Three people in the Gospels are dead, and then Jesus prays for them, and they're raised from the dead. And then, out, so there's nine forces of nature, three uh, dead brought to life, but there's 23 miracles of Jesus that would fall under the, the category of healings. People in desperate need of God to touch their life, either they're blind or they're deaf, or they're crippled in some way. And, and Jesus prays for them, and, and they can see, or they can hear, or their, their infirmity is, uh, is healed. And there's 23 of those. And I just think, I find that fascinating, that almost, I mean, the, the, the vast majority of Jesus' miracles are, are healings. I think that's really cool. And we'll talk about that in this month to come. And, and I think why uh, the miracles of healing are so predominant in the Gospels. Um, but let's get back to this idea in your notes uh, that, that miracles exercise our faith, I think, because there's always room to doubt a miracle. And I think even when you see a miracle with your own eyes, or you just see something that's like, wow, and you're like, was that, did it, did that 
was that a miracle that I just saw? There's always room to doubt. And, and because there's always room to doubt, there's always room for faith uh, to, to work and say, yes, I, I do believe that that was a miracle. I do believe that that was the power of God. And um, I, had, I knew a guy that we used to hang out in the same coffee shop. He was an atheist. I was a Christian. And uh, we'd see each other, and we, we've got, we got into different conversations throughout the year, and we'd see each other and just kind of like, oh, yeah, there he is. We're, let's go get no conversation about religion. And uh, it, it felt kind of like that sometimes because we were both. He was an extreme atheist, you know, and would just take jabs at me uh, philosophically that because I was a Christian. And, and we'd kind of go back and forth. And um, I remember him, one of his jabs at me as a Christian, as he was an atheist, was, well, why don't miracles happen today? And he said, you know, if I saw a miracle, I would believe. And all these people in the Bible saw all these miracles. You know, if I saw one, I would believe. But why, why would you believe if there's no the evidence and miracles aren't happening today? And, um, and so for a while, you know, and we talked about miracles. And I said they could happen today. And so for a while, maybe a whole year, I would pray. His name was Greg. I prayed for Greg, this atheist dude, kind of friend of mine that I would see in coffee shops. I'd pray that he might see a miracle. You know, I'd, I'd pray during my daily devos, and I'd say, God, would you give Greg a, a miracle, something that he could see and, and put his faith in Jesus because he sees a miracle. And at, at some point, I, I stopped praying for Greg to, to see a miracle because I thought, you know, even if he sees a miracle with his own two eyes, there, there, there's always room to doubt. And he might see it and be less like, huh, eh, whatever. <laughs> and 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 I might see the same thing and be filled with wonder and awe. And I think because miracles always provide, um, there's just always room for doubt. I think when you when you see a miracle, um, there was people. I want to show you this story that people right around Jesus when when a miracle was performed, and and their reaction to him is is disbelief. Their reaction to him is, why'd you heal on the Sabbath day? Do you know what the Sabbath is? The Sabbath day is a day that, it's actually Saturday, not Sunday, um, but it's a day that Jewish people um, do no work because one of the Ten Commandments from, from God himself is do no work on the Sabbath. But what's that really mean? Don't, like, go to do your normal job. or and, and so the Pharisees made all these lists and rules of what exactly could or could not be done on Saturday, the Sabbath. And say they said, well, you can only, if you want, need to go somewhere, you can only walk this far on the Sabbath. Or if you're, you're hungry, you need to eat, eat something. You could make dinner, but you can't do this, this, and this. You can't boil, you can't cook, but you could make a PB&J. <laughs> and, and you could do this and this, but you can't do this. Um, you, could, you could only walk this far. You could only open this door, but you can't open the door to... I mean, there's all these rules and lists that these... That Pharisees would would make, and uh, Jesus one day heals on the Sabbath. And I want you to turn to the passage. It's in Luke, uh, Luke chapter thirteen. If you want to turn there in a, in a Bible and read along with me, I think it's kind of fun. Um, see it with your own eyes, you know. Luke chapter thirteen. I'm going to start in verse ten, and this is going to be a story of Jesus healing a woman that was crippled. That it says she was bent over, maybe. I don't know, maybe kind of like a hunchback or something. I don't know. Um, and Jesus prays for her. So it says this, Luke thirteen ten, On the Sabbath day, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman who was there had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. 18 years is a long time, right? I mean, some of you in here are 18 years old. You just knew this lady that's been crippled since you were a baby. I mean, that's, she's been crippled for 18 years. Wow. Um, Verse 12 says, When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Like right there, a miracle. I mean, if you knew this woman, and you knew her for 18 years, she was, she was crippled and maybe bent over, and she couldn't stand up. I mean, that, that's a miracle. You would just witness a miracle. Don't you think? Wouldn't you be like, wow, awesome, literally, right? Here's, here's the reaction of the Pharisees indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. The synagogue ruler said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days and not on the Sabbath. Can you imagine? You just saw a miracle. And your your response as the leader of, of these people is to get in front of them and is like, Well, now there's six days for healing and uh, come on those days. Don't come on this day. It's like, Hello? 
you just saw a miracle with your own eyes. And, and, and I don't know what they were thinking. Maybe they thought, oh, maybe this woman had been faking it for 18 years waiting for Jesus to, to heal her. I mean, that's probable. Um, maybe, uh, I mean, maybe if, uh, I've heard of like, maybe she was psychosomatically bent over in her mind. She didn't think she could stand up. And then as Jesus pulled her in front of everyone and prayed for her, then she knew that she could stand up. It was a, some sort of cycle. I mean, I don't know what the Pharisees, the synagogue ruler, was thinking. But he saw a miracle, and his response was, There's six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. Does that surprise anyone? That, that someone saw a miracle and then doubted? And then Jesus, of course, answered. We'll finish this passage just because to finish the story. Jesus answered him, You hypocrites. Don't each of you on the Sabbath day untie his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he had said this, all his opponents were humiliated, as you can imagine. But when people, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. You see, people put their faith, the people that put their faith in this miracle, that people that have put their faith in Jesus um, saw this as a miracle. Wow, that's amazing. It, the miracle gave testimony to who Jesus was. I want to show you a clip of a movie. Do you like movie clips? Yes, me too. Um, this is one of my, I think, top ten favorite movies. It's called Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? If you've seen it, you're like, yes, it's funny. Some of you might, it's like a weird kind of humor. Uh, the Coen brothers, they, they've directed other films, uh, kind of directed this movie. And uh, it's kind of a weird humor. So if you, don't, if you watch it and you don't like it, you could just be like, dude, Joe's weird. Um, but the clip I want to show you, I wanna t- I'll tell you just a, l- a bit about it before I show it to you. Basically, the movie, one of the genius things in the movie is that it's actually kind of uh, retelling the story of the Odyssey by Homer, this ancient book written in, have you heard of it? Maybe you had to read an excerpt in high school. Um, I did. And it, there's, there's like the sirens and the lotus eaters and the cyclops is in there. And this Greek character, Odysseus, like goes around. and um, So the story really follows that. And these three guys are three prisoners. They break free. Uh, this little adventure that happens. And the guy that's, that plays Everett, um, kind of the Odysseus character. Uh, you guys know George Clooney? He, he's in there. And he is this character that's very skeptical of everything throughout the entire movie. And... Uh, this, this is the, the last scene of the movie. They're about to get hung. They're at the gallows. There's the ropes hanging down. They're going to get hung. And uh, Everett, played by George Clooney, uh, breaks. And he finally prays to God for a miracle. And then you'll see that the miracle happens. And then what I want you to take notice of is what happens, what he says right after the miracle takes place. He, he gets skeptical again. He doubts. And uh, the movie will end with the last scene of a cow on a roof. And uh, that, that comes from the... <laughs> It's, it's a, like the very beginning scene of the movie is this old man, blind man, prophesying. And he says, you will see many wonderful things. You will see a cow on top of the roof. And uh, so, without further ado. Though nobody else can go there for you. Perhaps you should stop making your prayers. Oh my God. Everett? Tommy? I'm sorry, we got you into this. Good Lord. What do we do? Please look down and recognize us, poor sinner. Please, Lord. I just want to see my daughters again. I've been separated from my family for so long. I know I've been guilty of pride and sharp dealing. I'm sorry that I turned my back on you, Lord. Forgive me. And help us, Lord. For the sake of my family. For Tommy's sake. And for Delmer's and Pete's. Let me see my daughters again, Lord. 
Nossa! Once again, you two hayseeds are showing how much you want for intellect. There's a perfectly scientific explanation for what just happened. That ain't the tune you were singing back there at the gallus. Well, any human being will cast about in a moment of stress. No, the fact is they're flooding this valley so they can hydroelectric up the whole darn state. Yes, sir, south is going to change. Everything's going to be put on electricity and run on a paying basis. Out with the old spiritual mumbo-jumbo, the superstitions, and the backward ways. We're going to see a brave new world where they run everybody a wire and hook us all up to a grid. Yes, sir. A veritable age of reason, like the one they had in France. Not a moment too soon. Not a moment too soon. <laughs> My favorite line in, in there is when he says, That wasn't a tune you were singing back at the galas. <laughs> Oh, the doubt. And so uh, I want you to think about this question, and uh, we'll discuss it maybe just a little bit, And because uh, I think we could learn from each other and, and just even either agree or disagree, or there's lots of ways to come at this question. And it's the question I asked my youth pastor back in the days as a high schooler, and uh, there's different ways to come at this. Uh, the question is, why does it seem there's so many cool miracles going on in Bible times? But today, uh, there, there may not seem like there's as much going on. Have you thought about that? As I thought about that as a little high school kid. Um, would you turn to some people around you and say, why do you think that is? And then come up with just a few. There's lots of different ways to come out about this question. Um, but discuss it for like 60 seconds and then, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk about it. <laughs> Have you thought of some things, some reasons? Does anyone want to share the genius reason um, that, that, that maybe their group talked about? Yes, ma'am. We have the written word. And so maybe there's less miracles because they didn't have the Bible back then. I'm going to talk specifically about that one. Very good. Yes, Mr. Joel.
Huh, that's good. Yeah, we're just like, man, give me some Tylenol. <laughs> He's like, I got a headache. <laughs> Crazy. And you don't think, if there's, before the days of Tylenol, there wasn't Tylenol. And so you, you, the answer, the solution was prayer. Yes, ma'am. Robin. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus was a real man, literally, and God on earth. And so proclaiming that he was the way. So, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yes, sir, in the far back, Scott. Uh Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I like I like that. I like that answer. I like that. But what one more? Yes, sir. Right very front. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> well, that's good. Did you hear him? He said God opens the eyes of some and closes the eyes of others. I like that. Yeah, I think did anyone did anyone say maybe as your first response is well, I do think there's miracles today. Did anyone say, oh, I think maybe there are just as many miracles now as, as when Jesus lived? Um, I, I, kind of, I kind of like that a little bit. Uh, in fact, I like it a lot. Um, and, and I want to ask you a question. How many of you would say that, that you've experienced something re- miraculous in your life, whether you experienced it yourself or you saw it happen? How many of you would say, I've, I've seen something? Pretty sweet. Look around at the hands. Just, I think there's a lot of hands up here, and being raised. And uh, I do like the 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 response you gave that God opens the eyes of some and closes the eyes of others. And two people could see the same thing, and one of them could say, "Oh, it's the it's the, the, <laughs> the they're just flooding this place, Delmer. Don't be don't be a stupid hayseed. Uh, we're in the age of reason now." And the other two guys to say. We prayed for a miracle to happen. We were going to get hung back there, and a wall of water came in, and now we're saved. And and so I think I think that's a very good idea. I didn't think about that. And uh, I want to refer back to the to the argument of the dispensational cessationalist argument. Do you remember that big word? Of course you do. You're most Sunday school. Dispensational cessationalism says, and it's a, it's an idea that I kind of disagree with. I would agree with kind of an underlying principle that that we have the written word and this this is my NIV study bible up here and that this is the written word of god that we can know this and it bears testimony to what is truth and uh we don't need a miracle to have faith we could be like the the ones that jesus blessed he said you thomas you see because you believe but blessed are those that don't see and still believe and so we don't need a miracle to happen um but dispensational cessationalist would say that miracles have stopped after the Bible was written. And one of their, one of their famous um, verses that I think it's the best verse that they go to, um, to to kind of promote that type of thinking is in 1 Corinthians. You could turn there if you want. It's just one verse that I want to read. Uh, 1 Corinthians in the New Testament, of course. Uh, chapter 13 says, it talk, this is the famous chapter that's read at like every wedding. Uh, it's about love. You know this passage, love is patient, love is kind. Some of you probably have memorized that. Um, But verse 8, right after the love is patient, love is kind, it says this. So this is 1 Corinthians 13, 8. It says, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. And this is one of the passages that 
my youth pastor showed me when he said, oh, the, the miraculous gifts have stopped for today because of this passage here. And after a close examination of this passage in the context, it's talking about love. How love is the best gift over all other gifts that God can give us. And it says, love never fails. But where there's prophecies, they will cease. Where there's tongues, they'll be st- where, the, where they will be stilled. And what someone might say if they're a dispensational cessationalist is that, well, what this verse is saying is that the gifts have stopped for today. But the, I mean, the, just the continuation that says, where there's knowledge, it will pass away. So if you say, oh, the miracles have stopped today, you'd have to say, well, also, knowledge has, has, has passed away too, right? And so, I mean, so I look at this passage and say, in the context of, of love, Paul is saying, love is the best gift. There's going to be love in heaven, and, and there may not be a need for prophecy in heaven. I mean, God's going to be right there. Why would you need prophecy if you just go ask him he's right there um and so that's what that's what i think this passage is about but love never fails it never goes away i think that's what this passage is talking about and as a as a someone that might come from a a a dispensationalist a dispensational cessationalist argument might use examples of like my youth pastor did of, of of someone taking advantage of of faith and playing with the shoes kind of thing um there's a really horrible example in history of a guy named Peter Popoff. Have you ever heard of him? He's kind of a like a legitimate circus clown. And that's what I just call him. Um, a televangelist type of guy. Uh, he was actually a legitimate televangelist uh, asking for money in the whole, whole nine yards. He was making $4.3 million a month <clears throat> asking for money. People would send in money. He'd send back like a miracle bottle of water that you'd put on your sprained ankle or something. Um, and he, here's what he was doing. He wore this uh, little, uh, like, uh, if, you're, if you're deaf, you have a hearing aid. He wore a little hearing aid, but it wasn't a hearing aid at all. And it, it was his bad ear, and so he'd kind of listen into his hearing aid and say, I think God's telling me something. Uh, th- there's, a, there's a woman her, here. Her name is, he'd say the name of a woman that was in the audience, Sally Johnson. And Sally Johnson would be like, what? And she'd stand up say, do you live at 522 Maple Drive? And she'd say, Yeah. And he'd say, oh, there's angels all over your house. Uh, God wants me to pray for your cancer. And he'd come over and pray for her cancer. And she's just thinking, how did he know my name, where I lived, that I had cancer? And the, the thing in, in his ear, the little hearing aid, wasn't a hearing aid at all. It was like a little receptor microphone uh, speaker thing. And his wife was in another room with a little microphone antenna thing, reading off the prayer cards that the people had just turned in. And, and and this guy, uh, kind of a scientist guy, goes to one of these meetings and, and sets up uh, kind of a, I don't even know what to call it, a, a listener radio device thingy-majig and finds this out, that his wife is actually telling him things over the airways into his little thing. And they, they have this audio clip of her saying, Petey, hope you can hear me. If you can't, you're in big trouble. Um, and her giving off names, saying what the infirmity was or what they were sick with. And this guy praying for those things. And it's it's a horrible example. It's someone that was, I mean, he's going to be judged on Judgment Day for, for faking that and doing all those things. And someone that comes from a cessational dispensationalist argument uh, that's a Christian, that's a brother in Christ, P.S. Um, and, and we should love them. And, and it has a different opinion than I do, but... Um, would say that, oh, look at this example of this guy doing this horrible thing. That's what, that's what happens when you believe in healings for today. And, and as a charismatic Christian, that's kind of what one of the definitions of being a charismatic Christian is all about and being at New Life. We believe that we can pray for miracles. I used to go to a church that believed you didn't pray for miracles. And so if someone was, was sick or had cancer, you wouldn't pray that the cancer would go away. You'd pray that the doctor would know what it was and that the doctor, the surgeon, would have a steady hand as he performed surgery uh, on the cancer. But you wouldn't pray for the cancer to just be gone. And, and I, I like being at New Life Church where we could pray for things like that. And there's testimonies around here. I mean, you saw all the hands that were raised. And some of the, we've heard testimonies. Maybe we've experienced a healing that we just can't explain other than, wow, God did that, and I believe it. And, and it was awesome. It, it, it build, builded my faith. Built? <laughs> it built my faith. And uh, so as the charismatic... The charismatic argument, I want you to turn to John chapter 14. 
This is a passage that that I, I was thinking about just this morning. It's John chapter 14, verse 11. And it says this. These are really famous words of Jesus. And it's, to be honest, they're, they're amazing words. Literally amazing by the true definition of uh, amazing. And um, it's hard. I'll be honest with you. It's hard for me to accept these words and be like, wow, really? But it says this. John chapter 14, verse 11. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, that the Father is in me. Or at least believe in the evidence of the miracles themselves. Verse 12. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will even do greater things than this, because I am going to the Father, and I, will, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may be glorified to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. That's a, is anyone else like, wow, truly an amazing passage, and truly a passage that, and that that builds my faith as I as I've been praying for, uh, as I've been preparing, excuse me, for the talk on miracle, Jesus miracles all this month. I've been more apt to pray for miracles, um, and, and ask God for them. And I could honestly say that I, in this time, this last week, I've prayed for some miracles, and I don't I don't, I don't know if anything has come of them. Um, but my faith has been built. I, I've I've asked God for things. I've trusted in Him more this last week. And so as the, as the last note uh, on your notes, uh, what I just wanted to encourage you with was this idea that, that Jesus wants to, us to ask him for things. There's a passage in James, it's James 4.2, if you want to turn to there. It, it, says, it says, you do not have because you have not asked God. And I think, well, well, why don't we have this or that? Or why haven't we seen a miracle? Well, and maybe it's because we haven't asked God. And, and later, we're, we're going to talk about miracles all this month. Um, I want to kind of go over some ideas of what happens when you pray for a miracle and really continue to pray for a miracle. And, and, or maybe it's a healing. Maybe it's you know, whatever it could be. I've, I've had experiences in my life where I've really prayed for something and it didn't, it didn't happen. And we'll talk about that later this month. And, and we'll talk about faith. And we'll talk about God's timing. We'll talk about the, just the unknown, uh, God being God. We'll talk about all those things. But miracles, praying for them, praying, praying for things that you really need God to show up for, builds our faith. And that's, that's I think, what I really want to, the point I'm really making today is to encourage you. If you, if you leave here today, and like, what did they talk about in Sunday school? Is that, well, they talked, we talked about Jesus' miracles. And, and, and I, I've been, I mean, if you walk out of here thinking, man, I, I am more in tune that I'm more encouraged to pray for something, a miraculous thing, or to receive it, or to, to pray for it, then, then I'm really excited about what God is, is doing. Um, I want to read a story. Uh, it's a cute story. Do you like cute stories? Before I read the cute story, I, I, I want to just, uh, as we're talking about miracles, I think we'll provide, we'll provide opportunities all this month. Um, and for people, if you usually at the mill, you'll come forward for prayer at the end or after as we go into big church, there's opportunities and worship music, music playing and pastors and elders at the front to pray for people. But I, I wanted to, to allow that to happen in here. Uh, and so as we dismiss and close and uh, we'll leave or get some more coffee or whatever, I would encourage you, if, if God's putting something on your heart to, to, to pray for that, that might take a miracle for that prayer to be answered, um, there's gonna there'll, there'll be a couple people just kind of chilling, hanging out up here, drinking their coffee up here. They'll have little leader name tags on, or you could ask me, and I'll say, "Oh, uh, uh, I'll pray for you, or I'll I'll get so and so to pray for you." We want to pray for things that that for any of you that uh, either healings or we we don't just want to talk about miracles and say, "Oh yeah, they're for today," and not have an outlet to say, "You know what? I I want to receive prayer for this." So uh, that's an opportunity for you today and all this month. But here here's the cute story. Are you ready for the cute story? The fields were parched and brown from the lack of rain, and the crops lay wilting from thirst. People were anxious and irritable as they searched the sky for any signs of relief. Days turns, turned into arid weeks. No rain came. The ministers of the local churches called for an hour of prayer on the town square the following Saturday. They requested that everyone bring an object of faith for inspiration. At high noon on the appointed Saturday, the townspeople turned out in masses, filling the square with anxious 
faces and hopeful hearts. The ministers were touched to see that uh, people brought a variety of objects, such as holy Bibles and crosses and, and rosaries. When the hour ended, as if on God's direct command, a soft rain began to fall. And cheers swept over the crowd as they held their treasured objects high and and grateful and praised hearts. From the middle of the crowd, one faith symbol seemed to overshadow all the others. A small nine-year-old child had brought an umbrella. Oh. Um, I want to close in prayer today and... and, um, (laughs) Sorry. Uh close in prayer and and with the thought leaving you with the thought that praying for miracles builds our faith believing in miracles believing in jesus and the miracles that he performed builds our faith so would you close your eyes and and pray with me jesus we worship you god god your testimonies of miracles being performed in your word are literally truly amazing to us and god if we just think for a second wow these things really happened, and they, they still happen today, and we could pray for them. And, and God, maybe, maybe some of us that raised our hands said, we've seen something miraculous. We can remember back to that and just thank you for that, Jesus. How we thank you for healings that have happened to our own bodies or people that have testimonies that we've heard are seen ourselves of healings. God, we praise you that, that you are real, that you interact with us now, Jesus. We, we give you all honor and glory. God, would you build our faith this month as we learn about the miracles of Jesus and are encouraged to pray for things of the miraculous. Jesus, we really do love you and we trust you. We put our faith in you, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen.